Psalm 119, and this message this morning, again, I just titled Thy Word. I remember about a year ago, maybe a little bit more, we had taken some time and we went through Psalm 119. This is a, this is a very interesting psalm. A psalm that, that describes the Word of God to a point where it hits all areas of not only quickening or reviving somebody according to Thy Word, the fact that it shows that that one who gets in their word, God will open up their eyes and, and, and show them the wonderment of God's word, which is a fading commodity today. If you're not in the word of God or you're not encouraged to be in the word of God, how are you going to find the wonderment of God? It also shows us that the more the word of God that we hide in our hearts, not only do we not sin against the Lord, but we have a well, a deep well for the Holy Spirit to draw from in times of all kinds of need. Whether it's talking to somebody about Christ, whether it's meeting somebody's need, I was running. I was at a gas station the other day, and I had uh, been going to this gas station, of course, ever since we've been here for thirteen years. Well, this young kid's been working there for a couple of years, and and uh, I got to know him quite well and talked to him from time to time. And uh, he looked kind of down. We started talking about gas prices and and uh, how much you know. It's going up and everything. He says, and then he said an amazing thing to me. And nobody was there. Usually this gas station is quite busy. Nobody was around. He said an amazing thing to me. He says, I, you know, I, I can't work. I can't worry about what's going on in the world today because I have enough troubles of my own. And I found out this kid's probably 20, 21, 22 years old. I found out that he had gotten his girlfriend pregnant and he was, uh, he says, I, I he says, I don't know if I want to bring up a child in this world. He said, I, I don't have any insurance. I make minimum wage. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I said, it's an individual. I said, you know, we've talked over the last couple of years. I said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do anything I have never done with you. I'm gonna shoot straight to you from the hip. So Christ is the answer. You know. And so we started talking about, about different uh, approaches, how he, he's been, you know, all kinds of people before in his short young life have tried to tell him about this and tell him about that. Tell me he needs to straighten up his life and whatever. But what do you do when you're in a situation and the world is bleak and your situation is bleak and you know that you're not right and you have no joy and, and your, your, your life is turned upside down and it's, it's not good? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes into the Father but by me. Satan's going to come into that man's life and say, yeah, as God really said. Well, he hasn't done much good for you up till this point, has he? What I'm saying is, is that there are people out there that need the direct word of God. You know, they don't need philosophies, they don't need this and that, they don't need church per se, what they need is Jesus Christ, and then God will lead them where they should be. It's the Word of God. This morning, um, as, we, as we look at this Word real quick, some of the descriptions, I want to take two... Uh, Scriptures, one from Job and one from Jeremiah, before I get into actually Psalm 119. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but just listen to these. Psalm 
remember them. And the reason why I take Job and one from Jeremiah is because we get Job that's probably around, written around the time of Abraham, uh, quite, quite old. Some people say that it's probably the oldest uh, writing of antiquity of the Bible. But uh, anyway, this gentleman, as we've gone through the book of Job, you remember that we spent quite some time in there. Uh, this, this was spiritual warfare at its best. This was an uh, opportunity for Satan to work at his best. And what Satan does a lot of times is he will bring somebody or people into your life and will have a little bit of the truth, but a lot of times taken in the wrong context. What is this gentleman who went through horrible sufferings, uh, and I don't have time to get into that this morning, what does he have to say about the Word of God? We need to learn from these from these men. Okay? And then we have Jeremiah, who I want to want to look at what Jeremiah says about the Word of God. Jeremiah was a mighty prophet of God. He predicted uh, the falling of the nation and why they fell in idolatry, and they just said, We flat out we are not going to listen to the Word of God, you know, and uh, and so forth. Uh, prophesied in pending doom and captivity for these people. But also, through that prophet, God had delivered the new covenant to Israel and, and he explained it through Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 30 and so forth. So you have a prophet that was hitting the gamut of God's word seriously. One that affected the nation of Israel 70 years in the Babylonian captivity. In that captivity, we get Daniel and so forth that come out with the 70 weeks of prophecy. All these things, richness. And then he also talks about the new covenant which us as Christians enter into uh, and so forth. So you have these diverse men in the, in, the, in the Bible. Here's what they have to say, and I want you to remember these. In Job chapter 23, verse 12, he says this, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. This is an attitude. This is a will. Again, that was Job chapter 23, verse 12. And this is an attitude that, that is developed between somebody who has made the decision. This is also the man that says, though he yet slay me, I will trust in him. It is an attitude. It's, it's, this is the word of God. I'm not turning back. Again, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I want to look at a, at a, a, before we get back into Psalm 119, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was, was the prophet that also said that when he was getting persecuted, he said, you know what, Lord, I have delivered your word. I have been faithful. These words and these people are persecuting me. I'm not going to speak anymore. Because I have been persecuted. Paul said the same thing. He says, don't bother me. I have suffered. For Christ, I bear the brand marks on my body for the affliction of Christ. 
And Jeremiah echoes the same thing when he says, I, I'm, I'm just not going to speak anymore. I'm being persecuted. I'm being thrown in dungeons. I'm being slapped. I'm being put in the stocks. And yet, this was the same prophet that said, you know what? I couldn't help it. I tried not speaking. And your word was a fire within me, and I could not help getting it out. But this is what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Remember these words. He says, thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. You know, we are called. We are chosen in Jesus Christ. And in John 6.56, 6.57, Jesus says the same thing. He says, I live because of the Father. So if he who feeds on me will live because of me. It is an attitude towards the Word. I want to say and ask this morning, before we get in really into the heart of this message this morning, and believe me, brethren, it's a message of encouragement. I want to encourage you. Hopefully you know how much I love you. What is your attitude towards the word this morning? What is your attitude towards it? Do you love it? To where if you if you miss it in the day, you truly miss it and you long for it? Turn to Psalm 119. We'll go through some of these real quick. Psalm 119, what a wonderful psalm. I think we would do well to, to spend time there periodically. I just want to go through some of the verses and comment on it. Okay? Nothing, again, we haven't talked about, we haven't dwelt on the, over the last uh, five and a half years as the foundation of life and, and on before, some of you that have been with me before. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word... Have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee? Thy word have I hidden in my heart. You know, there's all kinds of ways to memorize. You know, we have all kinds of systems to memorize the word. And I'll tell you a good way to memorize the word. Read it, and read it, and read it, and read it, and read it. <laughs> there is nothing like repetition. Even wicked men know this. It's called brainwashing. Read the word. There is only one thing that can come from constantly reading the word, and that's knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. It's knowing what he what he desires and what he doesn't desire. It's knowing how he wants you to conduct yourself as his ambassador. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That is, for a born-again Christian, a biblical Christian, that is the, the mainstay of his heart. I don't want to sin against God. I don't want to sin. I don't want to, I don't want to bring shame upon my Lord. Why would I want to sin for what he hung on the cross to take from me? And the Word is going to show me this. The Word is going to feed me. And it's going to direct me 
It's going to fill my heart with rejoicing. It's going to show me Christ. I want to hear from God. How do I hear from God? Through His Word. I have the privilege every morning to open up the Word of God and come to it like a Job and a Jeremiah and a Moses and a Joshua and all these people of faith. And I can come to the Word of God and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God will speak to me. You cannot do that in any other religious writing because this is not a religious writing. This is God's revelation to man. Uh, If we want to get more personal, it is God's revelation to me. God wrote the Bible for me, for you. That's what's so stupendous about it. I have the same Bible you do, and yet it was written to me. And your Bible that you hold in your lap is written to you. It is God's revelation to us, which makes it a stupendous document. Look at verse 18. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wonderful things out of thy law. Now we know that the law for us as a Christian is the word of God. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. He says in verse 19, I am a sojourner in the earth. King James says a stranger, which I kind of like. We're strange. Peter says we're a peculiar people. We're set apart. What sets us apart? The word of God. We are born again in Jesus Christ. We follow the master of the universe. We follow our Lord and Savior. And his word is a lamp unto our feet, which we'll be getting to, and a light unto our path. We are sojourners on this earth. You view yourself as that way? Listen, folks, time is short. We have only so, you know, you know, Job, going back to Job, describes his, that God knows the months of his life. He doesn't say weeks. He doesn't say years. He doesn't say decades. He breaks down his months. Months. Look at verse 25. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. You know, when you get to the point where you're, you're, uh, you just don't know what to do, you know, you're, uh, you've exhausted all your resources, life is not dealing with you very well, and if you are a Christian, let me tell you, you have an adversary that's after your soul. He can't touch your soul, but he can harass you. He can cause things that God allows or permits to happen. Not only strengthen your faith for his good, but if we are in the word of God, Satan will produce what? Fear, confusion, anxiety. We need not have an anxious heart. Anxiety should not belong to the Christian. Or as we've been saying over the last years, If you are trusting, you're not worrying. But if you're worrying, you're definitely not trusting. They're mutually exclusive. You cannot have both of them. You cannot have your cake in that area. You need it too. My soul, again, 
things of the dust and revive me according to your word. Verse 38. Establish thy word under thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. Establish it. Are you devoted to fearing God, to, to placing him before, and, and you are uh, absolutely devoted to walking with him and pleasing with him in everything that you do, your conversation? What's your conversation like at work? Greg and I were just talking the other night. You know, it's so easy around a work environment, especially his environment, his and Tony's environment, your son's environment. Uh, you know, and are we going to engage in the conversation? Are we going to laugh with it? Are we going to, you know, what are we going to do with it? You know, um, are we going to are we going to speak out when somebody's hurting? Are we going to say, you know, I just don't know what to say? Are we going to talk to the kids of the world that? Uh, they're fearful. People, people today are fearful about what is happening in this world. That is a fallacy, you know. Fear this, you know. You see those signs, fear this, and you know. And people are. Jesus said that in the end times, when times get bad, men's heart will fail them because of fear. He was going to the cross. Remember, the Bible says that he was beaten beyond any recognition of any man. He's going to the cross, and he stops, turns around, and he says, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me. Weep for your children. If they do these things when the tree is green, what are they going to do when it's dry? Brethren, it's dry. Establish, verse 38, thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. God will. We will see, we will end this morning in Proverbs chapter 2. It just happens that today is the second. You read your second proverb today? It just so happens that I'm ending this message in, in Proverbs chapter 2. If you've read it this morning, you know where we're heading. But as we, as we continue on in Psalm 119, I want to just show the progression of what God, you know, this is what God feels about his word. God is communicating. You know, I was listening to a message uh, years ago from a pastor that, that I uh, sat under out of Deuteronomy chapter 20. I'll never forget it. Uh, they're going on this on the eve of the children of Israel going into the land. It was like Moses' last uh, instructions. God had told them, you're not, you're not going to go in the land, and you're not going to uh, you can see it from afar, but you will not go in. This is one of the most encouraging, one of the most directed uh, encouragement of Moses to the people as they're going to go into this land and they're going to meet opposition. They're going to have warfare. They're going to have difficulties. But yet God said, I've given you the land. You need to go in and take it. It was the same thing with the, the spies of Kadesh Barnea. Twelve of them went up, ten of them went back fearful. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that said, no, 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 don't, don't do this. God said, I'm giving you the land. Let's go in and take it. Fear will always demise your Christian walk. Moses says, when, go, when you go out to battle against your enemies, 
And you see all the horses, the chariots, the people, they're more than you are. Don't be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with you, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. It shall be when you come near into the battle, that the priest shall speak and, and approach all the people, and say to them, This day the Lord your God is giving you your enemies into your hand. Do not let your hearts be faint. Fear not, nor tremble. Neither be terrified because of them, for the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. That's the first four verses of Deuteronomy 20, and we can go on. But, you know, establish, back in Psalm 119, verse 38, establish your word under your servant who's devoted to your fear. We are strengthened and we have confidence in the Word of God because that's what it is, the Word of God. And we know our God because He is, we've talked about this, He is not only a delivering God, He is a keeping God, He is a preserving God, He is a saving God. Look at Psalm 37, for example. He preserves the way of the saints. He is a preserving God, devoted to our fear. Again, I echo what Dave Hunt used to say, and I love it, and it ministered to me in a mighty way years and years ago. He goes, you better fear the Lord. You're going to learn to love Him. You're going to grow to love Him. That's who He is. But fear the Lord. Put the right perspective of life and how God is God. He's God of, of every living thing. You're going to learn to love Him. But develop the understanding of fearing Him. Establish your word, he says. I'm devoted to fearing you. Establish that word to me. Put it in me that it, 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 it plants within me and produces the life of Jesus Christ. Wow. This Psalm 6, or excuse me, verse 65. Again, we're just going through some of these. I hope you're enjoying this as much as I enjoy putting it together. Verse 65, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. Verse 65, again, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to what? His word. How do we know how God deals with us? How, does, how do we know how God deals with us day to day? What do you expect of us? You know, how he deals with it. You know, most people, they say that 75 to 80 percent, I believe it, of people that go to these massive crusades, Billy Graham or whatever, and go down and make a decision for Christ, 75 to 80 percent of these fall away and after a time. Well, I think a lot of it is that a lot of people don't understand how God deals with us. They're not encouraged to be in the Word of God. The Word of God, for the most part, isn't taught uh, correctly from cover to cover, or isn't taught from line to line, or what have you. But God says that He deals with us, and we can know how He is by His Word. Remember Jeremiah chapter 9, don't forget that I am the God of loving kindness, I exercise in loving kindness and justice, righteousness in the earth. And, you know, He wants us to know these things. He says that you would know me is what the, what causes God joy. That we would know that He's this way. 
How do I know God deals what he does? How do I know when I sin? I've been saved from my sins, yet I still have, I still sin once in a while. How do I know how God deals with that? How do I know him as my father? I've been saved from the judicial penalty of sin, so that I am saved and my sins will not be against me anymore, and then they're gone. Christ took the penalty on the cross, and yet as a Christian, I... I sin once in a while because I'm still in this body. How does God respond to me? What is the correct avenue to God? Now I approach God as a father. He deals with it as a family issue. I am his son. So he deals with me as, as my own earthly father would deal with me in a sinning issue. How do I know that? How do I know exactly what, des- what God desires and what he doesn't desire? Because he deals with us according to his word. And that is one of the deceptions of Satan today coming into the church. He is taking away the word of God. He's watering down with stories about somebody's past. I told you about uh, several years ago, uh, our eldest daughter called and she was all upset because um, they had just been relocated. Her husband's in the military and trying to find a church, and they thought they liked one. But, Dad, this guy, 90% of the time, that's all he does is stand up there and tell stories. What we need is the Word of God. We need to know how God is, how He deals with us from day to day. And He deals with us according to His Word. Look at, verse, look at verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. You know, one of the, one of the major deceptions out there today is, is involves the mind. I was reading a thing the other day about, even back in the 50s and 60s, how Norman Vincent Pell changed the landscape of power-positive thinking. You know? Change the landscape of what people were dealing with as far as their problems or, or what they felt that God was like, what they felt heaven was like, or, or what have you, a gamut of emotions. You know, it's like that, it's like that uh, back in the 80s, they had that commercial that said a mind is a terrible thing to waste. You know? Well, Satan knows this. When I'm afflicted, and I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. You know, when we're askew mentally, we don't try to adjust the word by our thinking. We try and we adjust our thinking by the word. It's not the word that went askewed. It's our thinking that's went askewed apart from the word of God. Because apart from the word of God, our mind will go any way and every other way besides the word of God. And that is the truth. And Satan will say, well, wait a minute, no, no, that's not true. Yes, it is true. Anything regarding God and the life of God and walking with him in obedience, truth, and in righteousness is found in the word of God. You deviate from the word of God, and I tell you for, from experience and the word, you will go astray mentally. Look at your kids. Look at my kids. Look at anybody's kids that are trying to make it on their own and they don't really, you know, They've had enough of that church. They, they know it. Okay? They've, they've been in church. And, and yeah, mom and dad's taught me the word. And this and that. And uh, we just had a discussion the other day with one of our elder sons. It's not going too well with you, is it? Having some problems. The word of God will always 
align up our mind to rightful thinking. We deviate from the Word of God and and we have problems. Wow, before I was flicked, I went astray. Look at this one. Look at verse 89. I love this. I could end right here. But I love talking about this subject. I hope that this is instructive to you. I hope it is an encouragement to you. Because brethren, the time's going to come, if the Lord tarries, that we will be, we must be anchored in the Word of God. We must have, you know, be with each other and encouraging each other. Forever, O Lord, verse 89, thy word is settled in heaven. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. If I had, you know, so many verses, uh, and I could use so many of them, but that would be one of them that I go, Lord Jesus, you are God. What are you saying there? Is that heaven and earth, what you see here, and what you deal with here on a day-to-day, that's going to pass away. But my words will never pass away. The word of God, I love it. This will never pass away. This is forever settled in heaven. No other document, like I said, either from antiquity, and what antiquity means is from from the time past, you could go way past. You can go to the Hindu Vedas, which are thousands of years old, some of them. You can go to all these books, and they can never, by not only uh, saying this, but they can't, this is not true. They cannot say anything like this. The Word of God alone is alone in this category. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. That is it. What do you get today? You get today, well, you know, Jesus was, uh, you know, you can't really, you can't really look at the, at the you know, the Bible sometimes. It's so old and, and uh, we, we need a new, a new set of uh New set of prophecies, a new, a new, a new way of looking at things. And brethren, uh, it is prevalent everywhere. We have been privileged to be in an environment where God, He is King here. His Word is precedent. His Word is is what we establish this ministry off of. But as we go out and we start talking to people, we start seeing things. This is not so. And Satan's knows his time is short, and and the word of God is being attacked like none other before. And you know, if we know what the word of God says, Jesus warned us about coming people that will not only claim to be the Christ, the anointed one, but elsewhere. His word is forever settled in heaven. Brethren, is it settled in your heart? Is it? He says in verse 97, look at, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. There's the key to a healthy mind. There's the key to a a healthy, vibrant, spiritual life. Why do you think that there there are organizations like the Voices of the Martyrs and so forth that are doing so much work to get Bibles into these countries that are restricted? Why do you think North Korea... Some of these Iran, some of these countries are so against the Word of God. They're so against it. You know, you can get arrested in Saudi Arabia just for carrying a Bible. 
my son, who's in the Air Force, plus my, my, uh, my son-in-law, who's in the Navy, have both spent time in uh, three deployments apiece, one in the country itself of Saudi Arabia, the other one on the island of Qatar, which is right connected to Saudi Arabia there by the Indian Peninsula. It is amazing how some of these restricted areas, it is against the law to have a Bible. It is imprisonment to what they call peddle the Word of God. People are dying over there every day for the Word of God. It's the meditation of day. It's, 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 it's where we have our life. Look at Verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, I'm a Christian, you know. If you ask people, well, I'm a Christian, do you read the word? Well, you know, I, what? If you want to be honest with yourself, I can tell you what your intensity is on following the Lord Jesus Christ, how much time you spend in his word talked about that a lot. And it's not a condemning thing. It's, it's more of a barometer. It's like we used to always say, the way you treat the Word of God is the way you treat the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the living Word. It's a light unto our feet. It's a, it's, it's a lamp. It's a light in this dark world. I don't want to sound you know, like some of these people that have these path sayings, but it is. I'll tell you what, you can go to a seminar, you can go to a, a Dale Carnegie uh, you know, a seminar, I don't know if he's still alive now, you, know, you can win influence in people, win friends and all these things, and you can go to all these seminars. I know when I was in business once in a while, they'd send us to these different you know, things, you know, and there was this book called Who Moved My Cheese that was so popular back in the 80s. And what it was saying, was, it was talking to man, you know, managers and whatever, how to motivate people, and how to be positive, and how, how to do this, and how to do that. You know what? There's no more encouragement to a Christian than the Word of God. To lighten your, to, to give you joy, to enlighten your, your, uh, your heart. To know the Lord Jesus Christ, to feed upon Him. Wow, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We're almost, we're almost getting to, to my point here. Look at 107. I am afflicted very much. Revive me, Lord, according to thy word. You know, some people think that, well, once you're a Christian, now God's got everything and everything will flow smoothly and we won't have any problems. And I was just telling uh, Greg and Lisa the other night, I was reading this, uh, this book my mom had given to Dean and I years and years ago. And it was a story of, of Dick and Jane. You know, you remember those Dick and Jane you know, books? And there were sections in there. One said father and the other said on mother and the other was on, on kids and home life. Well, on the one father, you read it, you read it, you know, and father's tall, father's slim, father's handsome, father's smart, you know, he's, he's a perfect guy. You know, he goes to this job and he, and he lives, he has this perfect job that allows him to come home and there's plenty of daylight, so he comes home and he plays with the kids. He's never in a, in a uh, you know, bad demeanor. He's always, you know, knows what to do and everything. And, and I mean, just paints this picture, you know, and, and 
And then it goes over to mother and, and how kind of degrading it was, you know. And I mean, oh, mother, mother always takes care of the, you know, of the house. Mother, you know, does the laundry, does all the dishes, take care of the house. Mother's always in, in a perfect, you know, frame of mind. She's never cross. She's never sore. Uh, blah, 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 and all the way on. And by the time father gets home, mother's always fit and proper. The house is perfect. The kids are, you know, never a problem. Kids are always doing what they want to do. In fact, they're helping each other, you know. Oh, hey, you know, uh, Jane, let me help you tie your shoes. You know, you're having problems. You know, there's never a problem. And all the while, this is all mixed in with the American dream. And then it goes on, oh, the family and the kids. And the kids are perfect, you know. The kids are, you know, fit and proper. And the kids, the kids live by the golden rule. They actually say that in there, you know. Do unto others as you have them do unto you and all this stuff. Is that the world we live in? No, it's not the world we live in. And if you're a Christian, you have an enemy. Who Peter describes the enemy as a roaring lion, a vicious thing. I would imagine that verse probably would go well to the old Roman Colosseums as they were putting the Christian in to be devoured by lions and beasts. That is exactly the way our enemy is. And he is going to attack the word of God. He can't get your soul, praise God, because your soul has been bought, paid for by the precious blood of Christ. You are his. Let me tell you, we are in spiritual warfare. And what he's doing today to your kids and my kids and our younger generation is that Satan is going after them. He's going after them. I'm afflicted very much. Revive me, 107, Lord, according to your word. We need to understand that. Verse 116, Uphold me according to thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. What is my hope? We've defined hope in the, in the foundation of life and, and, and on. I've been just fighting this for years. Hope in the biblical sense is what? Remember? The biblical confidence that God will do what he says he's going to do. Thy word, O Lord, is established from the beginning. What God says he's going to do, he is going to do. Do you know God's promises in your life? Do you know the word of God well enough to know how God deals with you and the promises he has for you? I'll tell you one. Are you confident like Paul when he says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. God says, and by the same apostle says in 2 Timothy, that I know that the Lord's going to safely deliver me to his kingdom. That's confidence. That's knowing who you are and whose you are. You're confident. Don't be ashamed of my hope. I'm not ashamed because I know the word of God. Look at 133. Order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. You know, Greg was praying at the end of at the end of, uh, of singing this morning. Direct me, keep me in your will. We walk to a different drumbeat. 
We all know people in this small town that have gone astray and that are leading other people astray and their character shows it and it's a mess. Order my steps, 133, in thy word. I don't want to have my steps ordered by experience. I don't want to have by philosophy. I don't want to read Ron L. Hubbard's Dianetics. <laughs> I want to know the word of God. I want to know what God expects of me. I want to know that my life is 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 lived according to his word. How do we look at the word? You know, that's why on Wednesday nights, for example, we start out by looking at the world around us, basically centered, you know, with the conflict of the Middle East and so on. Why do we do that? Because we want to look at this world today through the lens of the Bible. You know, we, we you know, when you when you talk to somebody like that kid the other day or any kid or, or, or anything, you want to talk to them through the lens of the Word of God. Because that's the problem. The problem is people are astray from God, or the world has gone astray from God, and there's a spiritual problem. It's not the Dick and Jane part of the world. That's what people want. I remember, by the way, at the end of all that discord, I had a good time reading that, by the way. <laughs> just because it's it's just something that, that a lot of people hold to. I remember when I was growing up in, you know, in the early 60s, and... and uh, don't laugh, and some of you think that's... But I remember my parents living like that. They tried to do the best they can. And, you know, they were good parents, and, and it was a good life. And uh, and then at the end of it, you know, uh, it, it showed a picture of a young couple, and they were sitting at night under a tree. The stars were out. And he said, and it basically was a caption, this is of every American young couple's dreams. And they're dreaming about the car, you know having a couple cars and a nice home and all these modern appliances and the white picket fence and, you know. Um, well, I think the only thing that's going to top that is the millennium, but um, that's, another, that's another story. You know, to order our steps in the Word of God is the only sure thing that we have. Jesus said that everything else is slippery ground. If you build my, your house upon this rock, these sayings of mine, he doesn't say if, he says when the torrents are going to blow through and the streams are going to come through, then you're going to stand. But you build your, your, your thing on anything else, and you're building it on sand, and when, not if, but when the storms come and the torrents come, you're going to be devastated. You're going to be devastated. You know, in, in the 30-some-odd the years that I've been reading the Word of God, I can tell you this. It has never let me down. I have never gone, see... My way of thinking was right. God must have been mistaken. Every single time, if I was honest with myself, I said, praise you, Lord, for, for, for getting my thinking right now. You know, this is life. Life indeed. No wonder the soldiers, after they came back, and they said, where is he? <laughs> and they said, hey, you know what? Never has a man spake like this man. Never. No, nothing has. And nothing will speak like the Word of God. Nothing. The Bible is definitely the, the, the freshest and the vibrant, most wonderful commodity we have.
You know, I think that as time goes on, I want to I want to look at two more, and then we'll then we'll we'll close this out. In this next verse that I want to look at, verse one sixty, Psalm one nineteen verses verse one sixty, is being attacked probably more and more as time goes on. Thy word is true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous ordinances endures forever. Thy word is true from the beginning. Now we can spend time in going over different things that have changed in these different professing Christians and professing people trying to say we, you know, these, you know, we, we've gone through the old, this is getting old, it's probably four or five, maybe six years old now. We have this place called the International House of Prayer and so forth, these these new prophets and apostles that basically say these are 2,000-year-old document documents, you know. We need something fresh and something new. You know, that that's old hat. You know, Satan, and one thing he loves to do is take uh, an old light to repackage it. So when a new generation comes along, they're not quite in tune to what's going on because it was the same old thing packaged in a different light. Thy word is true from the beginning. I remember when I was in school, you know, and we all remember that chart, you know, you start out as slime and you're growing up as monkeys and you get to be apes and gorillas and now you're a man. Now in the public schools, it is a for surety that evolution is not something that's taught, it just is. And the biblical account is the one that's laughed at. The biblical account is the one that is not. uh, That's why, you know, you are in such a wonderful position. And I think you know it. Because I'll tell you, our kids and our grandkids are going out to public schools, and believe me, they're not taught evolution. Evolution just is. And the biblical account is being ridiculed. God's word is being ridiculed. But the Bible says here that it is true from the beginning. You mean that God really created everything in six wonderful days? Yes. Well, no, my carbon dating that says something different. I don't care what your carbon dating says. I don't care what you say. Science does not prove the Bible. The Bible proves science. In fact, the majority of the wonderful scientists of yesteryear were Christians. My word, my Father's word is true from the beginning. By the way, he was there. Who am I going to believe, just from a logical standpoint, a man that says, well, it's been about three or four, you know, I, I was sorry to say I love you, you know, Jacques Cousteau, and the undersea world of Jacques Cousteau, remember that? Man, I used to scuba dive a lot, and, you know. You know uh, but he was an evolutionist. He believed that this world was probably about, you know, billions and billions of years old. And somehow in the oceans, uh, it just happened where the warm currents of the oceans were just spark life and this and this and this and this and that. Life crawled out of the oceans and so forth. I said, are you kidding me? Somebody that is that astute in, in, uh, well, that's smart, whatever, truly believes this? Are you kidding me? Who am I going to believe? Somebody like the philosophers and somebody like that? Or am I going to believe my father who was there? Had no beginning and no end. He's the one that spoke and the universe slept into existence. Who am I going to believe? And he wrote this down for me. This is his word. 
talk to pastors that don't know what they believe about the days of creation. Well, you know, the word days, you know, in, in the original language could have been, you know, 24-hour period. Well, yeah, you know, there are days. It's one way to rightly divide the word of truth. There are, when the Bible talks about the day of the Lord, you know, that's in the vernacular of, of when God intervenes in the affairs of man, when God says, you know, the evening and the morning with the first day, this, you know, the 24-hour period, or as we call it from a clock, but the rising and the setting of the sun and the rotation of the earth and so forth. God created this world in six literal days. And on the seventh day, he rested from his creation. That is fact. And yet, I'll tell you what, you, you have grand, well, I don't know if your grandkids are, I know my grandkids are in public schools. My kids went to public schools. That is not taught in school, folks. And now you have pastors thinking, well, you know, I've been to seminary. And we studied the original languages. And I'm really not too sure. And I have had this conversation with a pastor who is now deceased. He was not sure God could have created six days or God could have used six million years to create, you know, and it just boggled my mind. You are a pastor leading this generation in the Word of God, and you don't know. Thy word is true from the beginning. And I want to end in Psalm 19 by saying this. You know, knowing the Word of God, resting in the Word of God, being confident in the Word of God, and all the Word of God is give you great Peace. Look at verse 165. Great peace have they who love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I remember one time Joe's witnesses came to our door, and boy, you know, there's usually, you know, it used to be that way. Everything's changing now. It used to always be a, a, what they called an elder or a, an older in their religion with a younger guy, and they'd come to the door, and, and the older guy's name was Roger. I'll never forget it. There was another one called Frank, but Frank was turned out to be a kind of a friend. Roger came to the door with the young one, and we started talking and talking and talking about different things, and they wanted to keep talking about the new the new earth, you know, and this and that, and, and I kept trying to point it back to Jesus Christ. Well, next thing I know, Roger started getting mad. And by the time we left, Roger was so mad that he just walked away. And his younger protege that was sitting there, he just kind of looked at me and, you know, gave me, I'm sorry, or I don't know, or whatever. You know, when you are solid in the Word of God, and you know the Word of God, and you get in the Word of God, allow it to get into you and do its work, you are not only confident, but you have peace, you know? Because it's not, it's not you that they're attacking. We have an adversary. That, that is attacking the Word of God. And, I, and, I, and this message this morning goes uh, greatly with what we'll be in a little bit later. And I, and I, I thank you for, for bearing with me. I'll end real quick here. But again, I, I, just, I pray this is encouraging to you. Because there's nothing like the Word. We want to stand on the Bible, nothing but the Bible, the whole Bible. We don't want to deviate from it. If somebody's deviating from the Bible, you better deviate from them. Because they're going astray. I want to end this morning in, in Psalm, or excuse me, the second proverb. We'll just read it quickly. 
We'll break for a minute. By the way, are you reading your Proverbs every day? 31, 31 uh, days in March. Could have read all 31 Proverbs. <laughs> the second proverb. We're going to read the first seven verses real quick. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and lay up my commandments with you, or hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thy heart unto wisdom, and apply thy heart to understanding. Yea, if you Christ after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding. If you seek for her as silver, and search for her as for hidden treasures, verse 5, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. Verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom, and out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Verse 7, he lays up sound wisdom for the righteous, and he is a shield to those who walk uprightly. Did you get that? If you seek after it with as hid treasures, you go for it as hidden treasures, and you seek for it as silver Verse 4. Verse 3, if you cry out after knowledge and you lift up your voice for understanding, you come to the Word of God in a sincere heart, in a total devotion of life. Verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. For the Lord gives wisdom... James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally. But let him ask in faith. Don't let him ask you like the one that tossed to and fro. Make up your mind now. We have spent so much, uh, so many time over the last years, you know, proving, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that not only is God's word, his word, but it works. You know? When, the, when, when God was giving instructions for the people, so to speak, to go into the land, and, you know, if you do this, this, and this, it will go well for you, God was saying, I know what's best for you. I know what's going to work. I know what's going to make your life flourish. I know what's going to rejoice your heart. I am out to give you nothing but a land flowing with milk and honey, so to speak, and your prosperity of soul, joy. You ask anything, Jesus said in my name, and my Father will do it, that he might be glorified. God loves to bless his children, and therefore he knows what we need. He knows what we uh, what works and what doesn't work. We don't. And a bent, evil nature wants to go for those ones that don't work. For whatever reason. I guess that's the deceitfulness of sin. So as we look at, at the, you know, God, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, you do this, you do this. You read the Deuteronomy, you know. You look at Deuteronomy 28, for example. You know, you, you do these things, and it's going to go well with you. You don't do these things, and look out. And by the way, if you really look at that chapter, it's a longer read of the ones that don't. If you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. God is amply warning that He is the one that's life. He is the one that has the words that are going to uh, cause you to flourish. Look at Psalm chapter 1. 
about the two ways, the two destinies, you know, the tree planted by the waters. Look at Jeremiah 17, the same thing about the tree planted and the roots go out and, and it bears leaves and it, even in drought it will be fruitful. God knows what will work and what doesn't work. <coughs> and he's provided it. Are we going to search for it and make it a part of our, our uh, uh, well, you know, it's like gee, people, I was talking to a gentleman one day and he says, well, you know, yeah, I, you know, God's a part of my life, you know. Yeah, he's a part of my life. Jesus is a part of my life. You know, without, you know, without judging anything, you know, a lot of people think that. Well, Jesus is a part of my life. Well, the Bible says that Jesus is not a part of your life. He is your life. Okay, so uh, how do we adjust that thinking? By the word of God. If you seek for it as silver, you search for it as hid treasure, then you will understand. Then you will understand the ways of God in his word. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the encouragement. And I and pray it would be an encouragement and a challenge for not only us as we, as we just carry on and we go out, but those that are listening to this message would realize that we have an enemy out there that his chief end is to still kill and destroy. He wants to keep us out of that wonderful heritage that we have in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that if we have influence over grandchildren, children, what have you, Lord, that we would take this message to heart. That those of us that have been yours for a while, sometimes take it for granted that the word is there and and we might know that it's your word, and we might be in it every day, but there, there are spirits, doctrines of demons and devils out there, Lord, that are stealing the hearts of our young kids, the hearts of our people that sit in churches all across this land. They're robbing the vitality of a vibrant Christian life because the word of God has taken somehow back seat to walking with you and knowing you. And I thank you for this morning. I pray that the encouragement would run deep, that we would grow from, from this word. Father, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We are the recipient of it, and I thank you for that. And Lord, we look for you coming back. You return. And I pray that you would knit our hearts here. Not only the foundation of life, but, but the ones that we associate with and our brethren. That you would knit our hearts together in love. That all men might know that we are your disciples. Thank you, Father, for your, that inestimable gift in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise the resurrection to life. And those uh, in Adam will go to perdition and they will be resurrected, but a resurrection to damnation. You know, like we see, for example, the false prophet and, and uh, in the Antichrist or, or in, you know, thrown in the lake of fire a thousand years after the millennium passes where Satan's thrown in the lake of fire. The Bible says the false prophet and the Antichrist are still there. In other words, not consumed.
So there's going to be a resurrection, but, but ours is glorious in Christ. It is, it is diametrically opposed to the Bible itself to be in Christ and yet lead a life of um, even the slightest bit of debauchery. Are we going to sin? Yes. But, what, but that's the beauty of it. Schofield has a wonderful illustration of this, the best I've ever seen. Those of you who have read the Schofield Bible know this, and, and uh, it is just absolutely wonderful. It has clarified millions of understanding of this. He's describing a man who's been born again that as he goes to the Oriental bathhouse, and says he takes a bath, he's cleansed from all unrighteousness, and yet when he's walking back to the house, his feet will acquire defilement. And this washes feet. But he himself is clean from all that the law could say or accuse him. And it's beautiful because that's what we are. And when we have defilement, we confess our sins to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's wise, he's just, because he took the condemnation himself. He fulfilled every bit of the law for you and I. And he also took the condemnation and the judgment for the breaking of that law for you and I. So he's just. Listen to these words. If we confess our sins, our defilement, he is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Wow. Keep on sinning. Wow. We can't because we've been born of God. Nor do you need to. You know? That's what separates biblical Christianity from all the other religions in the world. And I only say religion as far as Christianity is just by means of comparison. By no means does the Bible talk favorably about religion. Religion is always the outward show. We as baptism and one baptized in the body, we show the world what has already happened and taken place on the inside. That's the meaning of baptism. So when you go baptize in the river wherever you get, you show the world. When I was baptized in Corleone Bay in North Lake Tahoe, I was signifying to the world and to my parents, something has happened to me. I believe this gospel. I believe this word of God. My sins have been, I've been forgiven. That Jesus Christ is now my Lord. I'm not my Lord anymore. I walked to a different drumbeat, and that's to him. And I've never looked back. And I'm thankful I haven't. Because Paul says that, you know, you can run a race. And if you run it in such a way, there's a, there's a reward, there's a crown waiting for you. And I want that crown, and I want that reward. I want to see my Lord. I'm expecting to see Him. I want to see Him. I can't wait to see Him. Because I know that when I see Him, I will be with Him forever. And I just want to end these verses, probably for my own sake. Because right now, folks, I think that is a time for comfort. I think that, you know, you can read these verses and you can look at sin so much, you can tend to get, uh, feel like you've getting pummeled with things. And it's not the fact that we pummel because somebody's life might not be as righteous as mine. But we admonish these things so that we might see that the Lord desires that we have nothing in the way of Him. You know? We even say it in our wedding vows. You forsake all others. You know, I remember talking. You know, we did Jen and Joe's wedding. You know, you are you willing to forsake all others? Okay. What does that mean? 
Well, there's not too many. There's, there are people out there, but there, most people don't actually commit the physical adultery maybe on their wife, but they sure do in so many other ways. And if that's true in the physical realm of, of relationships down here, well, it's more, it's more uh, abundant with our Christian life. There are so many things. The devil and everything is clamoring for our attention. The flesh wears its ugly head when you don't think it will. The moment you think you've got everything under control, here it comes. Look out. The moment you think you've been having a pretty good day, man, and you've talked to a couple people about Christ, one might have given his life for Christ, and you're relishing in the, in the glow of it, watch out. You know, let's make up our mind now. So when it comes, you're dealing with it. I am my beloved's, and my beloved's mine. That's, that's my wife and I's verse out of uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 7. But listen to this. I'll leave you with the, with the first six verses of, of the discourse in John 14. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, or many rooms, or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. He's going and preparing a place for you, for me, individually. You know, as a corporate part of his body, he loves you. He's going to tailor this for you. I believe this with all my heart. Because my God's like that. He loves us individually. He's tailoring a place for you, exactly what you want. You know, people down here, they want to find the perfect house. And, you know, I mean, we've been selling our house for almost a year now. I know. I mean, for all kinds of things. Oh, you know, it's great, but we want this. Oh, it's great. He is tailoring something, I believe, with all my heart, that is going to just dazzle us for eternity. I can't wait to see that. He loves you. And, and we flirt with sin? In my Father's house, are, again, are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That's the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants you with him. And we're going we're gonna to forsake that in sin? We're going to forsake that and, and entertain uh, pride and, and, and everything else? Is it tough? Hey, did anybody say the Christian life was going to be easy? Paul says, I die daily. So he's going to go prepare this fantastic place. You know, I don't have to worry about, well, hey, you know, is it going to be something I want? It will be exactly what I was designed to love and to dwell in, because that's who God is. And if I go and prepare a place for you again, he says, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And you know, and where I, I go, you know, the way you know. Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where the way you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus takes it from the material to the spiritual. Life. Life is not this. Life is Him. We don't know where you're going to go. Leave us a map or something. You know, let us know. 
Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. Wow. Lord, um, the Lord has shown me the last, well, when I really understood where we're going, and the time is short for, for us here, but I love you guys, and that's my heart. That's the heart of the Lord, and I, I, I would be you know, I used to tell my sons, if you don't tell somebody the truth, you're not really being a truthful friend to them. And there's so much more to this life than just what meets the eye. You know, they say that those that are suffer great loss, suffer problems in their life. I mean, uh, we've all had tragedy, death, uh, whatever. That those who, who, who stick to the Lord and allow Him to take them through them find an intimacy with Him that most people don't. But we also understand the Bible talks about those that give up their life, that give up what they, they don't need, and they grab what they cannot afford to lose. There's an intimacy and a joy there that the Bible talks about that few nowadays know about. Few as far as the masses go. And that's what we want. Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the word. And Lord, but I, I thank you for the Lord of the word. It so eloquently points to who you are and your character. Father, I pray that if there are those listening that have not surrendered everything, intellect, pride, um, whatever to you, that they would do it. Because it, nobody needs to be taught. It's the Spirit that teaches us to abide in Christ. I pray that would be their lot, because what is it worth if man gains a whole world and that you know, loses? What is a gain? If we have 20 more days left and we, we live it half-heartedly, I pray that we would... We would we would consider and accept nothing less than excellency. Nothing less than the Word of God operating in our life. Again, I thank you for this day, and I pray that you would go with us as we go, and give us joy that our joy might be full. Father, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.